Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got another great show lined up for you. If you haven't already, go check out our YouTube channel and hit subscribe. We are, Tony and I are making videos left and right. We're doing how-to videos, product reviews, all kinds of stuff. And uh, we've actually got our video podcasts up there. So if you're interested in watching the show or just listening to it in the background, you can find those on YouTube. And uh, that's at WW Home Show, right? That's right. Is that right? Instagram w- and Facebook yep. at WW Home Show. Yeah, so go uh, follow, like. We're putting some really cool stuff up there. Yeah. Uh, if you want to contact us, uh, send us an email. You can you can find our contact information at par.com, P-A-R-R.com. Click on the Weekend Warriors link. That'll take you to our website, or our website is www.homeshow.com. Yes. And uh, we love to hear from our listeners, so feel free to reach out with a question or a comment or a concern. Good or bad. Yeah, all the bad Preferably ones good. go to Corey, <laughs> the good ones come to me. <laughs> but the, you know what's funny is the bad ones come to me because they're about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but um uh so you know, Corey, uh we've been talking a lot about eco-friendly type of uh building practices, right? That that's one term. There's a lot of terms. There's a lot of ways to talk about what we're talking about. But but uh we decided we wanted to talk about eco-friendly building practices. Building meaning Remodeling, renovating, building new, um, maintaining, all of the things that surround your home and the things you do at your home regularly. And choosing the right product, choosing the right process, and uh, doing it in such a way that it is environmentally responsible. Yeah. There's already a whole bunch of terms that we've used there, but what did we come up with for... Uh, a single definition of what it means to to build environmentally friendly, yeah, <laughs> eco friendly, eco friendly. Well, That's really know, what I'm looking for. I think Tony that there are different there are different definitions depending on who you ask, right? So what green building means to you is probably something completely different than what it means to me. Uh, from everybody, whoever you talk to, it's probably you ask them that question. It's probably going to mean something totally different. You and I, we're in the construction world. We're in the building materials world. So we look at things quite a bit differently. We're going to say to ourselves, okay, well, we want recycled products, and we want low VOCs, and we want good air quality, and you know a lot of those technical things that go into a home versus somebody that's uh, not terribly into construction. They might say, well, I want reclaimed, and I want... Uh, you know, sustainable f- lumber, you know, that comes from here, which it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Already. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot to it. Uh, it's not something that we could cover all of it extensively. Oh, no, absolutely not. In a couple of hours. But I think we, what we should do is take a second. We'll each, each answer that question. What is green building, green design in general? Let's just, what do we call in this in general? Green Eco-friendly? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I wrote in my notes, eco-friendly 
building practices because that's what we do. Weekend Warriors, we talk about building things. Yeah. We talk about maintaining our home, um, renovating our home, remodeling the home, building hopefully our, our next home, all of those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I wrote uh, eco-friendly building practices. This is what I came up with. Um, creating structures and using processes or practices, right, that are environmentally responsible and resource efficient, sustainable, and resulting in high performance, a high performance product in the end. So there's a lot. That's a lot right there. And and that's, you know, just breaking that down is already a two-hour show probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so much to talk about. And every little bit that you do is your contribution to the earth and to your fellow man and and all of that stuff. So being responsible and efficient and reducing your carbon footprint, <laughs> there's another one, another term, uh, is something that everybody can do in part or in whole, even a little bit. Everything you do, everything you choose to do along these lines makes a difference. Yeah. I mean, and I would think of, I think of it a little differently than you. I mean, when I think of eco-friendly or building green, you know, I think about the end product. I want a home that is uh, energy efficient. I want it healthy. I want it quiet. So I want no VOCs. I want a lot of insulation. Um, you know, that's what it means to me. And I, and I want to use products that aren't disposable. You know, I don't want to use a flooring in my house that I know for a fact is going to be out of date in five to 10 years. And I'm going to want to replace it. To me, that's not eco-friendly. And it's going to end up in the landfill. Exactly. I'm going to put something in here that I know I'm going to hate in 10 years. So it's going to get ripped out. I don't want that in my house. I want high quality products that are built to last. Without jumping too deep into the show already this early stage, let's give one super easy example. Here's one super easy example. Click together flooring or laminated flooring, right? Laminate flooring. Yeah. While that might be Herdo. made while that might be made from recycled materials, it is not in my opinion built to last. Okay. Compare that now to tongue and groove, solid sawn, hardwood flooring that you put down on the floor. And when it starts to show its age, you sand it down, you refinish it. It's beautiful again. And it lasts for another very long time. Those are, that's one example of choosing something that is inexpensive and goes in fast, but doesn't last very long. Something that's more expensive goes in more methodically, uh, but lasts so long that it can be revitalized and revitalized and revitalized and still be a viable product. Yeah. For years and years and years. Right. I mean, there are homes built that are 100 plus years old that still have their original flooring in them. People buy an old house, a 100 year old house, and they go in and they pull up the carpet and they're like, woohoo. They're going to go, woohoo. Yeah, and they're they, going to go, oh, they it's get excited. Be- they get excited because there's <laughs> solid tongue and groove hardwood floor in there that they can sand, refinish, bring back to life and have that amazingness that was built in the house 100 years ago. Yeah, but then there's also other products that are environmentally friendly that you would consider environmentally friendly. 
that are recyclable. I mean, if you're going to put carpet in a home, you're going to want to put a carpet that is low VOCs, that is 100% recyclable, right? We just talked about a product uh, last month that was called Mohawk Aero Carpet. 100% recyclable. 100%. Mm-hmm. Even after, even when it's all done. So, I mean, you have kind of both trains of thought there. Products that are going to last forever or products that if you're going to put them in and they're going to be replaceable, that they're recyclable. Right. So they can be used for something else. And you say recyclable materials, and there's also materials made from recycled materials. Right. We talk more about that when we come back. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about eco-friendly design and building. You know, we're remodeling, we're building new homes, and we want to build them, you know, more eco-friendly. Like Tony said in the first segment, cutting down your carbon footprint. What does that even mean? It it literally means this. Uh, If if you're buying products that uh, will not biodegrade, right? then you're using them and then discarding them and they're going into the landfill where they'll still be in 30 years. That is irresponsible, environmentally irresponsible. We've learned that things like styrofoam, which don't go away, if it can't be reused as something else and it also is not biodegradable, then it sits, right? And that's irresponsible. That's just one example of, of using materials, buying products that, um, that have a place to go when you're done with them. Um, you know, it's kind of like Habitat for Humanity's Restore. You have something that you've used and you didn't destroy it, but you're done with it. You can take that to a place where somebody else can pick it up and they can put it to use and, and it doesn't end up in a landfill. That's that's one example yeah. of being eco-friendly. Um, I did want to throw this out there because this is brand new. This is actually really, uh, really brand new. There is a factory or a, a plant that they put in really close to us in Tigard, Oregon, where we record, where they can recycle styrofoam now. Really? Yeah. They break it down into its basic counterparts or, or the, the whatever they make up styrofoam with. So, you know, it's oil-based, so they break it down into, like, crude oil. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy, yeah. So, kind of exciting. I just want to share that real quick. Yeah, I but, think uh, that is interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, and we, we kind of talked a little bit, too, about what it means to each of us. You know, green building means a little bit to you, different than me. We should ask Producer Buddy. Producer, producer Buddy. Producer Buddy's a young guy just out of college. We should ask him, what does green building mean to you? So that's a that's a great question. I really like 
how Tony laid it out that there's two different um, sort of sort of ways to think about this. You can invest in a product that is uh, that is new that has a little bit more meaning to it, a little substance versus and something's going to last long. Or you can kind of look around. You know, I personally I feel like I talk about this every time I come over here uh, about a new project <laughs> that I have going. Um, I love Restore. I think it is the most fun place ever because not only um, is it is a reused material. There's a great selection, and at the end of a given project, you're you're left with not only something that you've repurposed, and that's a responsible decision, but it's unique. It's a unique product, and I don't know. I think uh, to me, if I was going to give just one straight up answer, it would be um, just be just be conscious. You know, look around, look at your different options. If there's something that you can you can repurpose, reuse, go for that. Um, but if you're looking to make that investment in a product like bamboo flooring or mohawk carpet um, that's going to have a longer lifespan and be a little more of a uh, a long-term prod- uh, product, it's probably a good way to go. Well, yeah. that thank you for that. I mean, that actually makes a lot of sense. Reusing, you know, re- repurposing. You know, you remember the gal that we had on in Bend, Oregon? We were in Bend at uh, one of the fairs they had there, building construction fairs, and there was a woman from the, the local restore who repurposed things oh, yeah, so from many. around the restore yeah. into amazing things. Yeah. Like she she had, you know, coat racks made out of, I mean, an old dishwasher and, you know, different, I don't even remember. Just she all used, stuff was she so turned cool. chandeliers into candelabras. That's right. That was one example of the things that she did. Uh, she would use old doorknobs to make coat racks. Yeah. Uh, she had, there was, there was so many things that she did and those things were amazing. It turned out to be that she had a section there at that Habitat for Humanity restore where she would put her things that had been repurposed or, um, revitalized in a new way. And they were very artful and people would come and buy them, uh, not just because they were repurposed things, but because they were very cool and, uh, they used them as a centerpiece in their home or a conversation piece in their home. Yeah. It was very, very cool. That's She definitely is someone that we interviewed that takes their job very seriously and even to the next level. That was very cool. Well, think about what Buddy said there, too. You know, when he's working on projects around his house, he thinks of the, the restore. And what is more environmentally friendly than buying something that has already been manufactured? You know, even re- buying recycled products is great, but it still has to be recycled, which takes a lot of energy to recycle something. Why not reuse it or repurpose it for something else? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ultimately, that is the most environmentally conscious yep. you can get. Yep, absolutely. And then there's, so when we think about these things, we're thinking about recycling, um, reusing. And then the, the other one, the third there in that little trifecta of amazingness is um, reduce, reducing. And this is another one of the things that we can talk about today. There are products out there that reduce the amount of things that we use that are not infinite, like water um, is a primary example. We uh, we don't have a lot of problem with availability of water here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we seem to have a lot of water, but that's not the case in California, Arizona, right? They have sometimes in certain times of the year droughts they have drought or shortage of water and so they think about that more often maybe than we do but if we're being responsible then uh we're we're not using more 
than we need. And that is something. Um, you can buy a toilet that when you flush it, it uses five gallons of water, or you can buy a toilet that when you flush it, it uses two gallons of water. Uh, that's just an environmentally responsible decision that you make when you're replacing your toilet, right? There's a lot of things that go into it. How, how it reminds me of the Seinfeld episode. Do you remember the Seinfeld episode where Kramer uh, was selling the uh, bootleg uh, uh, shower heads? They, they, <laughs> you know, the superintendent came through and changed all the shower heads to these really bad, low flow shower heads, and then they kind of went on this thing. Anyway. <laughs> Great episode, but it makes it. It's it's not like that anymore. Yeah, it's totally different. the 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 toilets. That's probably a big common myth. Is that those low flow toilets don't flush very well? You remember when they first came out? Uh, uh-uh. you you couldn't flush them. I mean, it was like you put anything in there. There just wasn't enough water. Yeah, there just wasn't enough water. Yeah. And so they've redesigned those over the years, and now the new low f- flow or low water usage toilets are way better performers. Right. Yeah. There's <laughs> where you need it. Yeah. Right. right. So, so that's the third element to reduce, recycle, reuse, right. Is, is just reduce. Um, v- you use a term that I love, use it all the time. When you and I are on any project, you say, well, let's value engineer this thing and find out what our, what's the bare minimum we could get in and out of this project with, right. You don't always want to use the bare minimum. You know, you want to make sure that you have enough materials that you're not making multiple trips to the store. But you always say to me, let's value engineer this thing, right? If we've got a 10 foot two by four and we have to use eight foot of it for this, what can that other two feet be for? Or, uh, you know, can we, can we modify it in some way to make it useful in this project? That is responsible, eco-friendly building. And that's specifically what we're talking about. Giving some thought to your project the materials that you're going to use to build it and how you can do it more responsibly. Uh, We actually can go over a lot of specific types of projects that you might be doing around your home that you can do more efficiently, um, more responsibly than, than you might have thought in the past. And we should actually cover some of those things uh, right here in the show. Yeah, we can talk about specific things. I mean, let's kind of go through our list. I mean, we broke this out into, you know, different elements of what we consider, you know, eco-friendly. And that, you know, that's green design. That's probably the most basic thing you can start with when you're designing a home for new construction or remodeling. Think about ways to make it the most green. We'll talk about that after this break. Yep, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Tony and Corey, Your Weekend Warriors, and we'll be right back. Show built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. Today, we're talking about eco friendly green building, green design. Uh, before the break, we were kind of jumping into uh, some specific things. And I think we're gonna let's start out. Let's talk about some specific things that you can consider or you should consider when building uh, maybe a new house or remodeling the one you're living in now. Yeah, like adding a room or maybe um, maybe adding a second story over top of some portion of the home. Yeah, there's a lot of that that going on. 
first, I have a question for you. Do you feel like that you have to uh, sacrifice quality or comfort when you're choosing to build green? Um, absolutely not. I think it's by far the opposite. And when you're building a a green structure or or eco friendly, uh, a lot of that has to do with being comfortable. You know, if you're building a home with extra thick insulated walls, it's going to be way more comfortable because you're not going to have those temperature swings. You're not going to have the noise level from the outside. Your furnace isn't going to be running as often. So these annoying things, I mean, you've been in a house with me before where we were in a, uh, a lead certified home and you walk in, it's just quiet and it's the, the temperature is just comfortable. You know, in the middle of winter, the temperature is just nice. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's quite the opposite. So if if it's if you're not sacrificing uh, quality or comfort, I mean, what is the drawback? Is there a drawback? No. And if there there's no drawback, no drawback, if there's no drawback, then why isn't everybody already doing it? In my opinion, are you asking my opinion? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. In my opinion, it comes down to, uh, it comes down to knowledge. You know, the know-how. It takes a lot of very specialized craftsmen and craftswomen to produce a highly efficient, eco-friendly home. I mean, right down, I mean, you have to have everybody on that team from the concrete guys all the way through, you know, the finished finish carpenters that understand what all of these elements mean, right? I mean, if you build the tightest home possible and you have an HVAC contractor come in and they need to punch a hole in the wall and they just use their, their hammer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's things like that where everybody has to be on the same page and it's not difficult, but you know, it, it takes a lot. I kind of liken it a little bit to grocery shopping, right? For your vegetables, for your home and choosing to buy organic versus not organic. I feel like there's options out there both ways for whatever reason. Um, and you have to know that this is what you want. You have to know where to find it. Mm-hmm. And you have to be adamant that that's what you're going to get and not settle for the large display of the something that's almost what you want, but not quite. Covered in Roundup. Because <laughs> building material suppliers out there... Um, don't always give you all of the options. Right. Sometimes they just say, this is what I've got on on hand and it will work. This is what you need. Well, you know, and I think a lot of it comes down to people don't think about it up front. You know, people in general are more concerned with, you know, the lipstick on a home. They're more concerned with what color their granite's going to be or what type of wood, hardwood flooring they're putting in their house than thinking about the efficiency or performance of the home. You know, it's like going out and buying a car and saying, ooh, I really like that car right there. I have because no idea. Because it's red. Yeah, I have no idea what's under the hood, and I don't care. I right. just, I really like that color, so I'm just going to buy that car. Yeah. Nobody does that. You know what I mean? You test drive it. You find all, all that you can about it, and you, you, know, you want to know that that engine is high performance. You know, I think I think teenagers do I think houses. teenagers do that. 
I think teenagers are want the, to know about the sound system and the uh, the <laughs> leather the leather interior maybe true and uh, how low it is to the ground sometimes and then of course the color. But again, it comes down to you and know the, and the tinted windows. It comes down to everybody <laughs> no understanding, yeah. even the real estate agent. If the real estate agent listing that house and selling it, and somebody comes in, hey, what is the uh, you know what? How many air exchanges per hour does this house have? Mm-hmm. And the real estate agent goes, "What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Twenty. This, this is you a know, perfect opportunity to plug Par Lumber Company, where you can go to Par Lumber, have a conversation with a salesperson like Corey Valdez, and and expect to get options, right, and explanations of why this product over this product, the features and benefits, and why you would use them." Yeah, no, that's uh, you. You make a good point. There are people out there that can absolutely help you. You just have to know where to look. Right. You have to be interested in it for one. You have to be willing to ask. You have to, yeah. You have to be willing to ask, and you have to be willing to understand. Just walking up to a house and saying, "Oh, it's got solar panels. It must be green." Mm-hmm. That's not. That's not necessarily the case. We're talking about the very fundamentals of the construction of the home. Right. You know, is it built with uh, a radon pipe that takes all the radon out of your crawl space. You know, is it built using uh, a solid OSB floor so those gases from your crawl space don't, you know, creep through that floor into your living space? Mm-hmm. You know, are all of the windows and doors air sealed properly with foam? Mm-hmm. Are, you know, are you are they using a tight building wrap? You know, is there insulation uh, uh, enough insulation to keep my home warm in the winter and cold in the summer mm-hmm. you know i mean there's a lot of aspects to green construction yeah we should talk about some of these things let's start right here at the top of the list at the top of the list Corey, you've got written here staggered two by four stud wall on two by eight plates this reminds me of a subdivision you and i went to mm-hmm. uh this was actually a a speeded up version of a subdivision that was built in a short period of time it was and a Habitat for Humanity subdivision. It was a Habitat subdivision, that's right. And they were pulling out all the stops, and they were building some super efficient homes. Yeah, LEED certified, and they were uh, extremely energy efficient. They were building 2x8 top and bottom plates with staggered 2x4 studs. And what that means is the studs kind of ladder, mm-hmm. like Jacob's ladder, mm-hmm. across the plate line. And the insulation fills that entire cavity, two by eight wall. Conventional framing right now is two by six, 16 on center. That's what everybody uses. Right. You know, a hundred years ago, they would put studs where they needed to be. Right. They would put them 24 on center or even further apart when they didn't need uh, a stud there. And a single piece of wood would span from the interior of the wall to the exterior of the wall. And then on a cold day, you'd be looking at the outside, and you can still see it today. You look at the outside of a wall on a cold day, and you can see where the frost on the wall is melted, where the studs are. On every stud. And the reason for that is because when you have an exterior wall, we're kind of getting in the weeds here, but when you have an exterior wall, your, you know, your insulation for a two by six wall is R25, right? Yeah. R25. Mm -hmm. And the R value of wood is about R1 per inch. So if you've got a two by six wall, you're at about R5 and a half, R6 maybe with the OSB and those sorts of things. 
So, yeah, you're taking R25 down to R6 on every stud. Right. So you would think to yourself, well, if I took studs out of that wall and it replaced it with insulation, it would be more energy efficient. That is possible. That is very possible. It just has to be designed that way up front. Mm -hmm. You can't just take every wall in a home and make it 24 on center. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to consider the loads and all of those things that are coming down from the roof. So that's why we talk about it up front, creating and building a high performance design. But two by four plates or two by four studs with two by eight top and bottom plates is a fantastic Wall construction. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it was the first time that I'd seen this. has been years ago now. Uh, it was the first time I'd yeah. seen it, and uh, it was intriguing. And the way that it performs is phenomenal. Well, actually. the biggest reason is it creates a thermal break. No stud touches the inside wall and the outside wall. Right. Yep. At I, any given time. I absolutely love that. It's very cool. we got to take another quick break, but when we come back, more green building practices and ways that you can be more environmentally responsible. You're listening to Tony Core, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. Today, Tony and I are talking about eco-friendly design and ways to uh, remodel and build new construction uh, more efficiently. More efficiently. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, the next item you've got on your list, of course, is a huge topic, uh, very broad, air sealing. We talk about this actually all the time, and there's so many aspects to it. Uh, it's a very broad topic, but we, uh, we we followed some very specific practices when we built our recording studio that we're yeah. in right now. Yeah. And uh, we saw the positive effects of our hard work and making sure that we did it the way we wanted to do it. It turned out absolutely phenomenally. Ultimately, the idea behind proper air sealing is sealing up all gaps that air would travel from the inside to the out or from the outside to the in in any place that you're not intending for it to. Obviously, it's going to come in and out through an open window. It's going to come in and out through an exhaust vent. It's going to come in and out through an open door. Anywhere else, you simply don't want it. Which is funny because when you talk to the old timers that have been building for 40 years, they say, well, no, 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 no. My house needs to breathe. I hear that so often and it drives me crazy because they're right and they're wrong. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely true. They're because, right and they're wrong. Right. They they say that their house needs to breathe, which is true. It does. But where would you how do you want it to breathe? I don't want it to breathe from under the door and through the outlets. And do you want it to breathe through the floors or holes in your floor from the crawl space? Oh, no, definitely or the not. the holes in the ceiling lid to your attic space? And the insulation up in there? No, I mean, these are the, you don't want to breathe that air. You no. want to breathe fresh air. Absolutely. So, so you need to intentionally uh, introduce right. fresh air into the space in a place that you want it to be from. And you need to make sure that it's getting in and getting out. Uh, so this is very important. Uh, going right along with that, that air that's going in and out, you want it to be conditioned. 
whether right. that's a little bit warmer to match the heat inside the room or a little bit cooler to match the cool inside of the room. All of these things done intentionally, and these are things you have to think about ahead of the project. Well, and you want to also manage the moisture. Producer Buddy, I got a question for you. Do you know how many humidifiers you have in your house? How many humidifiers do you have in your house? I couldn't answer that now. You have one? I mean, do you think yeah. you, you have I, I don't think we have any, honestly. We, uh, we're we replacing our carpet, or trying to, right now, and we have a dehumidifier down there. Oh, okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no. Very so, good. That's a great answer. That is a great answer. That's exactly what we expected to hear from you. 100% wrong. <laughs> but that's a, but it's kind because of a trick question. It's kind it of a trick, trick question. question. Yeah. The, here's the thing. You live there with two other guys as roommates, three other guys. So there's four dudes living in this house. Do you have any pets? No. No pets. But you have a washing machine? Yeah. And you have, sorry, I'll turn your mic back in. You have a washing machine. Do you have a stove that you cook on? Yeah. You guys take showers? Yeah. All of that stuff are humidifiers. They, you, every time you take a breath out, you're off-gassing moisture. Because your body is made of water, right? Yeah. Like a huge percentage of water. Right. And whenever you breathe out, you're breathing out moisture. And you'll know this, and this is true, because when you go breathe on a, a cold glass, you'll see that condensate, right? Right. So whenever you're breathing out, you're creating this moisture inside the air. Inside the house. Inside the home. So you have to manage it. In old school homes, which is why this argument always comes up, is they say, well, your house has to breathe and the walls, you know, and all the air going back and forth dries everything out. But there's a trade-off to that. And that's really terrible efficiency. Your furnace has to run a lot more. Your air conditioner has to run a lot more. And you have all of these breezes. So you're sitting there on the couch in the middle of wintertime with a blanket and a sweatshirt on and you're getting a cold breeze across your face, mm -hmm. right? Yep. I mean, these are the things. Sorry to put you on the spot, but that's that's... The reality. We just don't think about that. I mean, we think about um, things that create moisture, and we don't think about that they are us, and they are our pets, and they are our uh, our appliances, and the things that are inside the home, uh, things that we do inside the home that create moisture in the air, and you have to manage it. Yeah, and uh, you know, again, a lot of those older homes that were built with air gaps everywhere. Sure, you're not going to have problems because they're just they're breezing through the wind. You know, your your uh, your home is drying out as best as it can. So newer homes, and this is the kind of the crux of that argument with the old timers, is they say when your home needs to breathe, they they look at new technologies like Tyvek, for instance, and Zipwall, for instance. Zipwall is a brand new product on the West Coast. It's been on the East Coast forever. And it's kind of moving its way out there. And people are looking at that like, oh, man, that's that's crazy. What they do is they take a sheet of OSB and they coat it with a weather-resistant barrier. And then they use a tape on all of the seams. So your house is 100% sealed up like a submarine. And people are like, oh, I don't know what to do with that. But that is exactly what you want. You need to air seal it right and ventilate it right. Seal or it tight. Seal it tight. Seal it tight and, and ventilate, ventilate it, right. it right. That's right. So what we're we're saying is use the new technology. So that that seal leads up us, your house. Yeah, that leads us right into the next thing. You've actually segued right into that thing. How 
do you ventilate it right? We know how to seal it. We know how to caulk every seam between the bottom plate and the decking, between the top plate and the... Um, the top plate, yeah, and the, the trusses and the OSB and anywhere yep. where there's an air gap where potential air could get in... Around the outlets and the light switches. We're sealing that up. Yep. Tight as a drum. Tight as a drum. So tight that when you go when you walk in and you go to close your door... It just won't close. You have to push really hard to get it to close because the pressure inside is so great because you you don't have those leaks all over in the inside the house. But then you have to ventilate it right. How do we do that? Well, there's there's a lot of ways, right? There are uh, air movers uh, on your furnaces that can run and turn on and draw air from the outside. Uh, that's one method. Another method is honestly to crack a window. And turn on a fan like your bathroom fan that draws air through and brings in fresh air from outside. Uh, another method would be to use an HRV or an ERV. Uh, an ERV is an energy recovery re- energy recovery ventilator. An mm-hmm. HRV is a, a heat recovery ventilator. Um, an HRV and an ERV are they're they're different, but they're very similar in the way they work. Um, I'm not going to talk about specifics, but what they would do is they exchange the conditioned air that you have in your house and they bring in fresh air and it uses the energy that's already in there to not just so if it's cold outside, you're not bringing in cold air and just dumping it right in the house. It's exchanging that old air out through a series of, you know, pipes Mm -hmm. that coils coils that kind of transfer that energy. So the cold air coming in comes in closer to the temperature that the old air is going out with. Right, exactly. So that's a it's a highly technical thing that sounds really technical, but all it is is it's sucking, you know, fresh air from outside and pumping it inside. Yeah, that's right. And if you don't believe that you need it, walk in, if you've got a teenager, mm-hmm. walk into their bedroom that's been closed, mm-hmm. take a big old whiff yeah. and tell me, Gym sock. That, that you don't want fresh air inside your home. Not just a gym sock, but a warm, <laughs> moist gym sock. It's, uh, it's the craziest thing to me that people think, well, I don't need that. Yeah. Why would I want fresh air inside my house? Right. Uh, we, we breathe in oxygenated air and we exhale um, air without oxygen. And so if you aren't changing the air out inside of your house, then you're not breathing uh, top quality oxygenated air. And you need to be doing that. Now, you're thinking, well, I don't do that at all. So I don't ever get oxygen. Well, every time you turn on a fan, the exhaust fan in the bathroom, the range hood over top of your range, those things are pulling fresh air into the house. Well, they're drawing old air out. And then the fresh air being drawn in is from wherever. Wherever. That's what I'm saying. That's but it's, the problem. it's happening involuntarily for you. Uh, that oxygen is coming in, right? You haven't blocked it out entirely. It's coming in. It's just not coming in where you want it to come in. Yeah, you're depressurizing the home, and it's going to want equilibrium. So, yeah, it's going to, at some point, it's going to suck air in. And going back to air sealing, you know, this is why it's so important. We've talked about this on the show countless times. But air sealing, to me, is probably the single most important thing you can do in building new construction. Because you don't want that air coming out of your crawl space. You really don't. You don't. It is disgusting air down there. And the same thing goes for your attic. You don't want that air, especially in the summertime. If you got the air conditioner running or the heat pump and it's keeping it nice and cool in there, and your 
bring in hot 150 degree air down from the attic? It's crazy. Ask any guy who works in a crawl space, he'll tell you the same. We gotta take another quick break when we come back. More eco-friendly building practices. You're listening to Tony Core, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about eco-friendly design and how to do that efficiently. Uh, but if you haven't already, go check out all of our social media. We're all online right now. Uh, we're actually recording this show on YouTube. So uh, hi there, all you YouTubers. Uh, like, uh, hit subscribe down below. And uh, you can listen and watch all of our new videos that we're putting up there. Uh, we're also all over Instagram and Facebook at WW Home Show. Uh, if you have a hard time finding that, you can always go to par.com. That's P-A-R-R.com. Click on the Weekend Warriors link, and uh, that'll take you over to our website. It's got all of our stuff on there. Yep. If you want to email us, we're at weekendwarriors at par.com. Uh, we love getting your questions and comments, so send them over. Send them. Let's do it. If we're wrong, tell us. Yep. Tell I mean, us. We're just we're just par lumber guys. Just just two dudes. Just a couple of dudes. <laughs> Who own homes. Yep. That's right. We're, we're homeowners. Non stop. Yep. And we sell a lot of building materials. So we talk to contractors regularly. This is kind of our claim to fame. Um but between the two of us, 50 years with the company, and um and we deal with contractors daily. Contractors like to talk about their jobs. And uh, and and their options and what what they're dealing with, their challenges. And uh, we get to hear about that all the time. So then we get insider information. Yeah, then we get to turn around and share it with you. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So thank you so much for tuning in. So we're talking about we've been talking about green design, right? Mm -hmm. Making decisions, environmentally friendly decisions about your project uh, before you start the project. Um, You know, we were just about to move in to talk, start talking about. One very big project that people do very regularly, which is replacing their windows and doors. Um, and windows really, um, in a design aspect, is kind of something that is the weakest point of any wall. You you said uh, R was what, R25 in an exterior yeah, wall? Yep. And even if we are staggering our studs in the wall in order to in order to achieve the very best R value for the entire wall, then you put a window in it. <laughs> and that's our half or something like that. You know, it's well, I think it's uh, like a high, super high efficiency window, like the highest R value you could ever get out of it. Windows are rated differently. They're rated as what's called the U value, which is the opposite of R value. It's it stands for resistance. It's, I don't, you know, it's talking about so- solar heat gain yeah, and solar loss. Heat gain yeah. And, yeah. So anyway, they're rated in UVAL, but if you were to convert all that to R value, I think the highest efficient window you can get is somewhere between four and five. Low. It's low. It's super low. Yeah. So if you're going to put this window in your wall and it's going to be the least efficient portion of that wall, the, you know, what you can do is be as efficient as possible and put something in there that's going to do the very best for you that it could, as opposed to the least, um, if we're thinking about old homes and the way windows used to be, obviously they had wood windows a long, long time ago. Those windows were single pane 
and single pane glass doesn't keep anything out. Um, they graduated from that to aluminum windows, still single pane, uh, also didn't keep anything out. But then, of course, somewhere along the 80s, they came out with vinyl windows. Vinyl windows had insulated glass units where they've taken two pieces of glass and they have put a spacer in between them all the way on the outside, sealed it up so that the air gap on the inside is sealed up inside there. And then that reduces the heat and cold transfer through the window because it's insulated. So now we had something. It was getting better. It was not so much like just a hole, right? Mm -hmm. That just kept wind out. Uh, and so we started to get something that was better. Then there are options to make that window even better. Like, for example, you mentioned, I think you had in your list, a triple pane window. A triple pane window is heavy, honestly, um, but it uh, but it is more efficient and it performs better. So that's one thing you could do in the place where you're going to have a window anyways. Put a triple pane window in there. Uh, you, if you make the decision ahead of time, it's money you can afford to spend to save on your energy bill. Well, and going a step further than that, you know, when talking about design, uh, window design is very important. I mean, you don't just slap windows all over your building, you know, all over your house. You have to think about it. If you're, if you're trying to be as energy efficient as possible, you have to think about where that house is sitting on the property, which way is it facing? If, you know, you don't want to have a whole bunch of southern facing windows and skylights on that south face that just get pummeled with sun all day during the summer. It just makes no sense. You don't want to do that. I mean, for the comfortable comfortability of a home, you don't want to do that. So, I mean, there are elements of uh, design elements and things out there that, you know, like zero net zero passive house that use, uh, they use ways of design where you eliminate that and create solar, uh, what they call solar, what's the word I'm thinking of? I don't know, but I know what you're saying. You're talking about capturing the sun at the time of the day that it's the most efficient for you in the morning. Right. Passive, passive solar. Thank you. Passive solar design. Capturing it in the morning or in the winter time where the roof line and the windows are low enough and the the sun is low enough on, mm -hmm. the, on the skyline where it will, the sun will come in during the day heat up your house. But at, in the summertime, when the sun is high, the overhangs on the roof cover those windows and reduce the amount of solar heat gain coming in. In the afternoon, right. Yeah. And then, of course, there's elements inside the house, like, say, slab on grade with a big concrete slab underneath your house. And the sun comes in in the morning and it heats up that concrete slab. And then you block the sun out in the afternoon. And through the evening, the concrete slab lets off that heat, what comes into the house. And you're spending less money heating your house. And instead, you're using the sun to your benefit. Yeah. And I mean, and that is 100% design. Right. 100%. All about Pre-thought. You have to start off in the beginning when you're thinking about building a home and design it that way. Mm -hmm. If you, you want to talk to architects and engineers that are fully, um, they know about that stuff. Absolutely. And, and there's a lot. There's so much to it. I mean, if you start researching that, you will be astounded at how much science goes into those decisions and making your house and the sun work for you. And uh, it, anyways, it's very interesting, those things. Um, and so 
The other thing you need to think about when you're thinking about windows, for example, indoors. Coatings. Is, yeah, you want to put, you know, some kind of a tinting on the window. These days, clear glass is not used very often. Sometimes indoors, you can make a choice whether you want a low E coating or not. Low E is just a reflective coating that goes on the window that, that reduces ultraviolet rays from coming in the house. And, uh, and so you would put that on there, but you could go up above that, right? Something like what they call... Um, reflective. Yeah. Solar gray, um, or solar bronze or whatever. These are darker tints, right? Which, uh, in some cases are like mirror like from the outside and then just shaded from the inside. But if you have a lot of windows on the South face where you're getting a lot of afternoon sun, tinting those windows can reduce that afternoon heat gain. I have a story about that, Mm -hmm. about coated windows and how much they reflect it's incredible i have to tell you about it but we have to take a quick break okay right after this break more weekend warriors with tony and Corey. you won't want to miss this don't go away Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about eco-friendly design and eco-friendly projects. Uh, before the break, we were talking about windows and coatings. Dis- window, yeah, window coatings and designing your home to utilize windows and window coatings the best possible way. If you have a home with southern-facing glass, you'd probably want to put some sort of reflective coating like low E or one of those, depending on the sun rays. And I wanted to tell this story real quick because we were in Cannon Beach uh, not too long ago. Super, super sunny. We're on down there on the in the afternoon and all of those houses sitting up there, you know, right on the beach. They're all facing the west, right? Looking at the sunset. In all afternoon, that sun's right there just pounding in those windows. So they all have like this really high reflective coating on the windows. And we walked by this particular house, and I'm not kidding. The light bounced off and like was death raying us on the beach. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. I thought I was overheating. Like it, the temperature went up 20 degrees. I'm like, holy cow, what is going on? Wow. And we looked up and we noticed we're standing in this reflection from these windows up on the bluff. You it were was like amazing. You were like a tiny ant and there was a giant <laughs> using that house as yes. like a magnifying glass. I was getting yeah, he burned was up frying you with his magnifying glass. That's <laughs> awesome. But it's just a testament to how much uh how much of the UV rays that they actually keep out of your home. Right. Yeah. You know, you made a good point during the break we were talking about it a little bit. Yeah. About all of those rays if they make it into your home you're fighting with other elements like AC to kick them out. Oh yeah, you counteract s- them. You're spending so much money cooling the house uh, because the sun is because of the solar heat gain that's coming through your windows. So managing that uh, manages the amount of money that you need to spend cooling your home, which is very important. Yeah, so it's a lot of money there. So we were talking about we got into that 
topic, we were talking about replacing your windows. That's a project. Replacing your windows and exterior doors is a project. A lot of people find themselves doing that, especially if they're upgrading from something that's old, like aluminum or, or something like that. So let's talk about some other projects around the home that you might be considering doing and what you could do to be more environmentally responsible when you tackle that type of a project. Yeah, because not everybody's out to build a brand new home. You know, I mean, they're, they're building homes every day, but, you know, full custom homes is not on everybody's list. Right. You know, it's not on mine. I can't afford it. So what I'm going to do with my home is try to make it as energy efficient as possible. You know, and honestly, number one on my list add insulation. Mm -hmm. That is probably the single easiest thing that any weekend warrior can do. And you've done it already. Oh yeah. You go up into your attic, you buy some bat insulation and you just go to town and you start adding insulation. The question is how much? Right. Well, your house was built in 1940 something. (laughs) 60 something. 1960 something. Okay. And, uh, and so they were using insulation back then. Um, but, Maybe they didn't do it um, responsibly at the time, or maybe the, well, we already know the requirements in 1960 for insulation are not nearly what they are today. They're still going up. Oh yeah. Uh, And so. Seems like every few years. And then, so then you have, of course, the last 60 years uh, where things have been moved or they've been rolled over or they've been, you know, they've been wadded up or settled, settled down. All of those things have changed. And so you went up in there and you thought, man can't seem to keep the house warm. It's costing me a lot of money. I'm going to go up and take a look at the insulation situation. You went up there and you looked, and what did you see? Well, I had two by six ceiling joists, and on those ceiling joists, I could see the top of them. I mean, and it was, it was, (laughs) what was in there was blown in insulation. So it's just uh, blown in cellulose. So they take, not cellulose, it was blown in fiberglass. So they take little chunks of fiberglass and they blow it in. Well, it looks all great. It's like a bunch of little cotton balls. Yeah, when it's brand new because it's all puffy and big and it probably covered everything nicely. But over time, those kind of just settle down. And yeah, there was probably four inches, maybe Mm. five inches of of insulation just to the top of those ceiling joists, which would be about R20. R twenty one, yeah, yeah. maybe maybe, maybe R twenty two, yeah, maybe R fifteen. And code these days is R thirty eight plus, yeah. Depending on where you are, I mean, they're they're increasing it. It's getting into the forties now, so which is approximately about twelve inches, maybe in thickness. Yeah, probably. It's, or I think it's thicker. It's like eighteen inches. It's a lot. Okay, you know, essentially three times what I had in there. Sure. So yeah, I I had to go out and get a bunch of insulation. I just bought bat fiberglass insulation. I did not want to put in craft face. You don't ever want to put in craft face insulation over top of insulation where there is potentially another vapor barrier. Because if you're creating, if you're laying a vapor barrier over top of another vapor barrier, you're you're trapping moisture. Yeah, you're creating a trap right there. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Vapor barrier, of course, is the paper face, the craft face that you find on a lot of insulation, and uh, and that has got a asphalt impregnation in there, which uh, reduces the transfer of moisture between, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, you want to avoid that if you've already got it. You don't want to double up on moisture barrier in right. any situation. Yeah, and especially in a ceiling like that, you want that moisture, if it's going to rise or if it's going to, you know, the hot air is going to rise up through that, you want that moisture to go with it and out the top. And so that's a big project. You went first to the attic, and you looked at the ceiling 
and the insulation in the ceiling. Um, but then ultimately you ended up in the crawl space and you were looking at the insulation that was in the floor. Was it better there? It was devoid. (laughs) It was no, it was gone. (laughs) There was no insulation in my crawl space. Yeah. So yeah, yep. You, Tony, you helped me. Out I do there. know this. I know I'm leading you. I'm leading yeah. you so that the listeners will understand what we went through. But we did do that together, and that uh, that changed so much for you. Oh yeah. When you added insulation in the ceiling, and then you added insulation in the crawl space, and now suddenly the heat that you pay so dearly for was now staying in the home. It's not sinking through the floor into the crawl space where you don't want your heat or up into the ceiling uh, where you don't want your heat. Instead, it was staying in the room where you wanted it. And that is what it was all about. It cost you some money. You bought the material, you put it in, but on a daily basis, you save every single day, every single week, every single month by not having to pump so much heat in the house. And your situation, of course, was multifaceted. We also replaced your duct. That's right. But there's one other thing in there that we missed. And it was probably the single most important thing that I did because I did the insulation. I insulated the crawl space. I insulated the attic, but it helped just not a ton. I still wasn't satisfied. I was still getting those cold breezes. I was still, uh, you know, using a lot of energy in the wintertime and the summertime. I realized I didn't air seal. So I bought spray foam and I went up in the attic and I spray foamed around all of my Uh, lights, all the can lights, and down around the perimeter on my crawl space. Unfortunately, I have uh, two by six tongue and groove decking, which is essentially a (laughs) free flows air through it. It's it's really (laughs) difficult to air seal that, but I did my best. I went around the perimeter. I have some dropped areas where air, you could just smell it. I mean, you could, I could walk around the perimeter of the room and smell and feel the airflow coming in right from the attic or the crawl space. And I sealed those up with foam. And it that single thing that I did there made the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a big, that was one very big project. Sealing up your home and insulating your home properly in order to reduce the amount of money that you're spending on heat so that the heat that you're paying for, the energy you're paying for, is not being wasted and going out. So that, that was a huge environmentally responsible project that you undertook. And I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't inexpensive, no, but you're definitely, it's definitely paying for itself now. It absolutely paid for itself. Yeah. So that, that's a great, that's a great project. It's a great example. Well, and it's one that I feel like any weekend warrior, if they're really set on doing it, they could do it themselves. Um, I didn't insulate my crawl space myself. I paid somebody because it is tight. Yeah. And I uh, did not want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we did re-insulate a little bit of it. But a that's, little bit. That's another story. we got to take another quick break. When we come back, more eco-friendly practices. You're listening to Tony Corey, your weekend warrior. We'll be right back. to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for sticking around. Today, Tony and I are talking about 
uh, eco-friendly design, green building, all that sort of thing. Uh, right now we're talking about projects, different projects around your home that are eco-friendly that anybody can tackle just about. I mean, some of these you can't. Yeah, yeah. You want to hire them out. But yeah, there's definitely projects on here that are not Weekend Warriors projects, but they are decisions that Weekend Warriors would make and then a project that would be hired out. Here's an example. Living roof. I, I wouldn't know the very... I wouldn't even know where to start <laughs> trying to install a living roof. And I wouldn't want to yeah. because that is so in-depth and so many ways that could go wrong, right? Well, yeah, you, th there's a lot of things you need to consider there. There's uh, You have to consider the weight. So you're, you're adding a ton of weight in soil or some other water, water, you know, the plants themselves. You're adding a ton of weight. Because it's going to be trapped there. It's no longer like, you know, right. just getting away. It's stuck there. You can't there. just add a living roof to anything. I mean, you have to have it. I would say that you have to have it engineered unless you wanted to make your roof or your shed a living roof. But it's very cool. But it's it is cool. cool. I mean, it's certainly not a weekend warrior project, but it is cool. We should get a living roof expert. We if definitely should. If there's any should, living be... roof experts on out there, we should contact us. Yeah, we should talk about that. I, th I think I'm very excited uh, about the possibility of something like that, and it intrigues me. I feel like that I would be, um, I feel like that I would be tempted to mow it, probably, <laughs> um, and maybe even tempted to play a little. Putt putt golf, bocce, a little bocce, <laughs> little bocce. <laughs> you know, it, the thing is, is it goes hundred percent against our what we would normal right. normally consider yeah. a healthy building. There's, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you and I literally say if there's something growing on your roof, it's a problem. Oh yeah, uh, but I actually, I have in a this neighbor. case, it would be different. <laughs> I have a neighbor down the street from me who has a living roof. Yeah, of moss. It's it's, it's in like, his gutter. It's like no, hundred <laughs> percent. The whole the whole roof is moss. <laughs> and I'm like, how in the world are you not just leaking water left and right? But, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's coming. interesting. Yeah, that's that's something that is a project that you probably wouldn't take on. But here's one that you could. You could add drapes on your windows to keep the heat in and to keep the heat out. I'll tell you what. Look, this is a great thing. And I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how many of you out there are, are already doing this, but I have blackout drapes on all of my windows. It's because you're a vampire. No, 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 no. It's because I'll tell you what. My house is um, my house does not have forced air or air conditioning. You know this. Mm -hmm. And so we have space heaters in the house, right? But it's built very efficiently. It's in a dare home. It's a good sense home. Built super tight. I mean, it is really good. As long as I keep the sun out, right? Um, and I've got windows on the back of the house. And the afternoon sun will absolutely heat up the house. So I have to keep it out. So I bought blackout drapes. I don't keep them closed all the time. But I bought blackout drapes. And it does two things. One, it definitely keeps those rays from heating up the house in the afternoon. But in the wintertime, it keeps the cold air that radiates through that window from coming into the living space. If you reach your hand in behind my drapes on a cold night, it's cold behind those drapes. But, you know, it's not cold in the room. So I'm a firm believer that adding drapes to your windows, whether you have them closed or not, um, when you don't need them, that's entirely up to you, of course, but having them there, it's a really good idea. And it's something that's fairly inexpensive. Um, you and I talked in the past about 
making your windows more energy efficient by adding a a plastic sheet, a clear plastic sheet to the inside. Yeah, we grew up when I grew up, we all, all of our windows were single pane. And in the wintertime, we would put I grew up in Michigan, we would put plastic. Uh, it's like a plastic that you put up with this double stick tape on the the casing. So it sits out. So you have like an air gap. So you're essentially creating a double pane situation. Yeah. yeah. So you put it up, there's double stick tape, and then you hit it with a heat gun or a hair dryer, you know, use my sister's hair dryer. Yeah. And it would tighten everything up. It would shrink that up. So it was like tight as a drum. Nice. And you could see right through it and it was great. And you just did that in the winter time and yeah. in the summertime you took it down and Peel did it, it again next winter, huh? Yeah, or the cat would jump up there and ruin the whole thing. <laughs> it's pretty normal. Yeah, but that's uh, th- those are inexpensive ways to, I actually, to be more efficient. Yeah, I'd actually, uh, I have another situation. Uh, we've been remodeling my uh, bonus room in, in my home. Mm-hmm. And I have two skylights in that room that were there. We replaced them because they were bad, and we put new ones in. Uh, but the heat, oh, my goodness, they're southern-facing. And when the sun comes over, I mean, it's just like baking that room. So I got blackout blinds. Mm-hmm. I got blackout shades that I just recently put in there, and it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So I, I put a... Um, a mini split, a little mini split heat pump that I that I operate up there, and with those blackout blinds, I I put that little mini split on a super low setting, and it just runs uh, when it gets below or when it gets above like seventy five. Mm-hmm. It hardly ever runs. Yeah, it's amazing with the difference that made. Yeah, and that's a pretty big space up there, about six hundred square feet. You got up there? Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's a pretty big space, and and it really those two things work very well together. I I think that. Uh, it took you an awfully long time to decide that you wanted to put cellular shades on those sides. But when you did, man, oh man, did it well, make a difference. In pure weekend warrior format, I had somebody come out and give me a bid for them. I didn't know the first thing about installing cellular shades in operable shades. Yeah, in a yep. sloped ceiling, you know, skylight situation. Right. My goodness, they're expensive. I mean, this guy quoted me like 800 bucks, between 800 and $1,000 installed to install two. Mm-hmm. And, you know. You, you had to be told how expensive it was to decide that you were going to find a way to get it done yourself. Yes. And then. I went out. I Googled. Did. I Googled around. I, I heard some, you know, radio ads and I found some things and I actually found them on a website and I bought them. They were 180 bucks for both. Yep. And I installed them myself in about 15 minutes. Yeah. No joke. It was not difficult. And they look great. They yeah, absolutely they do. And, and they, they work great. They do exactly what you wanted them to do. That, yeah, they're, that not, was, they're not motorized. Mm-hmm. You know, the other ones weren't either. That was like another $500. Yeah, that was a smart decision. You did a good job with that. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm super jealous of your mini split, though. Um, I'd really like to have one of those. I mean, you know, I don't... I mean, if I'm going to condition the air in my house... I have to use a, a window unit. Yeah. Um, and so, and it does okay. You know, it doesn't take much, honestly. One window unit uh, downstairs uh, in my 1,100 square feet of downstairs covers the whole thing, and it works fine. Well, you could save up for a mini split. You just have to lay off the banana split. Oh, nice. <laughs> I don't even like banana splits. <laughs> Um, so here's something else that's going to make you more efficient and environmentally responsible. And this is going to seem super simple. And yet, we don't do it. Change the furnace filter 
regularly. Yes. If your furnace filter, which is made out of paper and cardboard, if your furnace filter is packed with dust bunnies and dust and dirt that's in the air, then your furnace is working twice as hard to accomplish its task and honestly not even getting but 80% of the work done. It's trying twice as hard and only doing three quarters of, of, you're only getting three quarters of the result. You have to keep the furnace filters replaced clean. They have to be clean in order for your furnace to do what it's supposed to do. And it's inefficient to run it as much as you're having to run it to get the result that you're getting. And they're not that expensive. Right. Well, it's what's more expensive, replacing your furnace because you've burned it up or replacing the furnace filter that is very, yeah, like you said, very expensive. The other side of that, too, is the air conditioning unit. Having a peak operating air conditioning unit, if you do use one, requires you to clean it. Yep. You want to pull the the big unit outside, the condenser. Uh, Make sure that all the fins on that thing are clean. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you a quick tip real quick. In the super hot summer, and that AC is running, and you're in the middle of the day, and it's just pumping out cold air, but it's it's battling the heat because it's sitting in the sun, hose it down with water. That's a great idea. Okay, we got one segment left. Don't go away. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your Weekend Warriors. We'll be right back. back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about eco-friendly design and eco-friendly projects. Uh, Tony and I have been talking about some uh, things you can do around your home. Uh, some other projects, right? Some easy ones. Weather stripping. Replacing the weather stripping around your doors. Foaming around your windows. Foaming around your windows is huge. And it's super easy. All you do is you pop the trim off on the inside of your window. Sounds, you know, a little, <laughs> I guess it is a little more difficult. You, you might be playing that down a little, but yeah, I'm you with to, you on that. But you, you just, what I would do is take a razor blade, cut the caulking off, pop the trim off, and you can look right in there. If there's fiberglass insulation stuffed in there, that's not good. You need to peel that out of there because there's one thing fiberglass insulation is terrible at. And it's air sealing. Yeah. It's stopping air. Right. You're going to pull that insulation out and it's going to be black. It's a really good filter. Yeah. Because that's exactly what it's doing. It's filtering the air that it's sucking through that cavity into your house. But not stopping it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you want to stop it. So you need to go out and buy uh, foam that is specifically designed for doors and windows. Minimal expanding. So it doesn't bow or crack your windows and doors. And right. OSI makes one. Great Stuff makes one. Dow makes one. Yeah, there's a ton of them. Um, just find the one that's for doors and windows. Yes, absolutely. That's a great project to do that everybody should do. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some cost in there, right? You're going to, when you're taking the trim off, you're going to damage some of those pieces. You're going to have to recalk. You're going to have to- Touch uh, up paint. Yeah, touch up paint. And so there's, there's it's a project. It is a project. But it's but an it's inexpensive a re- one. It's a rewarding project. Very. And then when you're done, you'll be super glad you did it. Um, yeah, that's good. There are, there's, uh, there's quite a few, actually, less expensive things that you can do 
Uh, I know you're kind of on the project thing, um, but here's something you can do that's really easy. It doesn't cost you a penny. This is the cheapest thing you can do. We're coming into the summertime, right? And in the summertime, um, it gets warm, right? And so we want to cool the house. Open the windows at night. Open the windows. You can use um, some wood dowel. Measure it out to um, the size that would block the shade or the slide panel. Open the slide panel six inches. Measure the distance from the back of the slide panel to the to the uh, other side of the window and put a stop in there, a security bar. Yeah, if you're worried about people coming in, creepers, right? Burglars. But then you can then you can confidently open your windows at night, let the cool air come in. You'll it'll be a little it'll be a little chilly in the morning when you get up, but you'll be happier when you come home from work that day and it's cooler in your house because it had a cool start. Instead of a warm start. Mm -hmm. I mean, it literally all of those things matter when it comes to cooling your house in the summertime. So take the opportunity, open your windows at night. You'll be glad you did. Oh, you'll probably sleep better too. And it's super inexpensive and you get lots of really fresh oxygen in the house and you need it. So open those windows. I'm sure your wife greatly appreciates the windows open at night. My wife loves open windows. <laughs> she does. She's She is an open window. I, I'm the one who wakes up with a cold nose and I'm like, oh, window open. But uh, yeah, that's me. Here's some more inexpensive ones. We talk about this all the time too. If you don't have LED lights and bulbs in your house, it's time to start putting them in. LED bulbs are not that expensive. Um, super inexpensive these days, uh, a dollar a piece, a little less than a dollar a piece in some places. Um, super energy efficient. They let off less heat. And in the summertime, that's important. Yeah. LED bulbs. I mean, I bought a six pack at Costco the other day for like five fifty or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the way to go. Uh, some other super easy things you can do to conserve energy. Close off unused bedrooms. Yeah. That's a super easy one. If you're if you've got a study, you're an old bedroom that nobody ever goes into, close the door. Close the vents inside the room. You can also stuff a towel. Like in the wintertime, you can put a towel under that door and not allow that cold air that's in there to come out or your nice warm air to get sucked in there. Right. Yeah, I become adept at keeping unused rooms doors closed because I have a space heater in my house. And so I don't want to be heating rooms that I'm not using. So I'm very good at keeping those doors closed and just heating the room that I'm in, in order to save greenbacks. Here's one that I've recently employed. Light timers. Oh yeah. I have lights around my house that I like to have on during the day or during the evening and lights that I like to have off during the day because they're useless. Yeah. And I employ these light timers that get, come on at dusk and they stay on for two hours and they turn off. I do too. And I do it for security purposes as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's nice if you decided that you're going to go out for the evening and uh, and you want to make sure that everybody around you knows that there's somebody coming and going, having those lights come on automatically and go off automatically does does wonders for letting somebody making somebody wonder what's going on inside that house. But there's other places you can use light timers, like in a bathroom, for instance. You can you can have a bathroom timer on your light that when you turn it on, it's only on for 15 minutes and turns off. Same exact thing with your fan. That way, if you've got four-year-olds in your house that 
like to leave can't lights e- on. Can't even turn the light off, let alone flush the toilet. Yep. Uh, they work great. <laughs> Same timer for your uh, for your exhaust fan in yes. your in your bathrooms. That's another good thing to employ. It works very good. Here's something that you never see, you never think about, and you never do, and yet it's costing you money. Clean the coils on your refrigerator. Oh yeah, that's a simple one. Those dust bunnies collect on that thing and force that refrigerator to overheat and work harder to do what it's got to do. If you don't want to spend extra money operating your refrigerator, clean the coils on your refrigerator. You need to do that, I'd say, every six months, probably. You think? I think. Man, I'm way beyond that. Yeah, yeah. you've you've bought a whole new refrigerator since you cleaned it. (laughs) I, I need to get on that. Yeah, well, that's that's something that nobody wants to do. It's a nasty job, but my mom and dad cleaned the coils on the refrigerator regularly when I was a kid. I remember seeing it happen. It's something that was that stuck with me for a long time. Hmm. And it's nasty in there. Mm. You don't want to be in there. You know, we should take, we've only got a few minutes left. We should talk about some specific products uh, that are eco-friendly. Sustainable. Yeah, sustainable, eco-friendly products. Products that uh, you use and then they are replenished quickly so that you're not... Um, it doesn't take a long time to get back to where we were before it was used. So sustainable products. Here's one. Number one, bamboo. Bamboo gets used for a lot of things these days. And I know that they haven't perfectly perfected the way that they that they put it together. Maybe, you know, it's a little bit um, this is a little bit of thing that has to be done in order to use it. But you can buy it. And it, it is very sustainable. It grows very fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's another one. Trex decking. Trex decking is manufactured using 99% recycled material, which is great for the environment. The other thing is when you put a Trex deck down, it's going to last a long time, Mm -hmm. a very long time, which to me, that's very green. Agreed. James Hardy siding. It is a fiber cement siding made out of concrete and fiber. That's what's on my house. You've got a little bit on your house. Mm -hmm. And that is a product that is uh, very sustainable and works really well. Very durable. Doesn't rot, bugs won't eat it, doesn't dent. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, here's another one. Concrete countertops or quartz countertops. Mm-hmm. Quartz countertops are used made, made with recycled glass and quartz. They use ground up quartz. They glue it all together. And instead of going into a landfill somewhere, it's reused and it's much better. Yeah. I, I tell you what, you've got on this list or we have on this list synthetic grass I would not be able to talk my wife into synthetic grass. I've tried. I've got this little spot where well, I can't get grass to grow, and I want it to look like everything else. So I wanted to put a little bit of that uh, sort of th- the turf these days looks a lot like grass. Oh, yeah. It does, and it 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 definitely will uh, last for a long time and always look great. Just couldn't talk her into it, no matter how hard I tried, and I did try. Well, the thing is, it's super expensive. It really is. I mean, it is honestly, it's super expensive. And but the the green aspect of it is that you don't have to water it, you don't have to mow it, you don't have to use chemicals to kill the weeds on it. It's made out of fully recycled materials. Yeah, it's just there. Yeah. So if you love that grass look, it is. I, I consider that an eco friendly product. Yeah. Well, I I I mean, I I think it is too. I just can't seem to convince. Anybody to use it. <laughs> here's, a, here's a couple of building materials that are very eco-friendly. OSB, oriented strand board, and eye joists, engineered eye joists. Lumber these days, it's getting 
you know, the trees are getting smaller and smaller. And instead of having to cut big, solid sawn pieces of lumber, you can use this engineered wood that uses recycled wood chips and resins and glues. And it's super duper strong. Yeah, stronger than, than the regular stuff. That's all the time we got. Thanks so much for tuning in, folks. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week.